Undeceptions podcast. Small Wonders with Laurel Moffat. I was 16 when I saw the Grand Canyon for the first time. It was already familiar to me. I'd seen its picture countless times. But I still say that the first time I saw it was when I was there in person and saw it with my own eyes. When I stared into its depths for myself. And they were such beautiful depths. Like the whole world had flipped upside down and I was staring into a bottomless sunrise. The thought I had then was, I can't take it all in. It's too big, too wonderful. But also, part of the thrill was standing at the rim and knowing in that moment that I was there, in that place, on the edge of something so magnificent and so much bigger than I was. I could not take it in, and yet there I was, in it, on the edge of something so wonderful. At the time, I wasn't able to pin down what it was that I was thinking or feeling about the Grand Canyon. I knew it was beautiful and surprising, but my response was deeper than just an appreciation of beauty, and it was more than amusement. It was beautiful and surprising and complex and slightly terrifying. It was a mighty place, an overwhelming place, a marvelous place. A few decades on, I think I now have the language for what I experienced then, and the emotion I was feeling and have felt on another trip to the Grand Canyon was awe. Awe is nothing new, of course. It's an emotion that's been around for as long as there have been things to marvel over and people to do the marveling. But awe as a field of study is a much more recent development. Awe has only recently been admitted into the company of other emotions, such as anger, joy, disgust, fear, sadness, surprise, and contempt. Awe is unique among the emotions because it affects us differently than other emotions do. It's been found to be highly beneficial for the one who feels it. Awe is good for us, and not just good, but critical for our well-being.
But what exactly is awe? If you were to open a dictionary to figure it out, you'd be met with phrases like reverential fear, wonder, respect, even dread. As far as what inspires awe, the options seem limitless. It could be almost anything. Regardless of the inspiration for it, those who study awe suggest that all experiences of awe share two central characteristics, a perception of vastness and a need for accommodation. Vastness is about more than just physical size. It can be anything that a person perceives as greater or more expansive than the normal range of experience. It could be physically immense like it was for me at the Grand Canyon, or it could be a great work of art, or a staggering work of moral beauty, such as a deep kindness shown by another person, or a lightning strike. or the moves of a master chess player. These are all vast things that can inspire awe, and it's the perception of this vastness that then affects a person's sense of themselves in the world. The need for accommodation is related to this. The vast and wonderful thing demands that we adjust the way we understand the world in light of it. We have to make room for it. When I first saw the Grand Canyon, I had to change the way I understood size and scale. My sense of perspective had to shift. I may have driven to the canyon thinking that a jumbo jet is big, that a skyscraper is immense, or that any of my then pressing concerns or worries was cavernous. But when I got to the Grand Canyon and stood at its edge, in that moment, everything fell into perspective. And it didn't fall into my perspective. My perspective had to fall into it. Everything that I had known, judged, valued as great or big had to be readjusted to accommodate the thing that was truly greater and grander than anything I had seen before. Awe-inducing things like the Grand Canyon make such demands. How often do we meet with things like that? Is it even that accessible? Or is all one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences? According to Dacher Keltner in his book, Awe, The New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life, awe can be inspired by any number of things. Yes, by great wonders, either natural or human-made, but also by any number of rather pedestrian, everyday events available to anyone, regardless of age, wealth, or ability. 
Part of the key to accessing awe is a consideration of its context, its background, its origins, or how it was made. We can experience deeper awe by asking questions about it, thinking about it, figuring out where it comes from, where it lives, its address. A few years ago, I went back to the Grand Canyon, this time with my family. I wanted to show them the place that had so affected my mind and imagination as a teenager. I wanted to take them to where I had first experienced awe. The night before our visit, I was busy planning every particular of our trip. Where we would park, what food we'd bring, which paths we'd walk, which visitor center we would be starting from. I was deep in countless small decisions. They all seemed very important, very practical and necessary, I thought, for us to be able to access the canyon. The next morning, though, almost as an afterthought, I asked a local what he would do. Living so close to the canyon, he knew it well. Where would you go to see it? I asked him. I held out my map with the Grand Canyon spread out between us on paper. Do you have any tips? Any advice on where to park? The best visitor center to go to? He put his finger on the map, right on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and said, Go here. But that's the rim. Are you sure you can just drive up to it like that? I asked him. Yeah, he told me. Everyone goes to the visitor center. Don't waste your time. Get as close to the canyon as you can, right up to its edge, and talk to the ranger there at the rim. Spend the day as close to the canyon, with the canyon, as you can. And so that's what we did. We drove to the canyon, right to the rim. We parked the car where he told us to, and we stood at the edge of the canyon. We opened our eyes, and we looked. And we could not take it all in, but there we were, in it. And once again, I felt that feeling you get when you're witnessing something wonderful, powerful, something immense, and profoundly outside of oneself. Awe. What happens when we experience something great and then open our mind to accommodate it is that we're brought outside of ourselves. Our perspective is adjusted and the vanishing point, that fixed point in the rules of perspective that sets the perspective in any work of art, say, is adjusted to be outside of ourself rather than on ourself. And this is what's been found to be so good for us. To be put in our place, so to speak, our rightful, appropriate place, in relation to something bigger and more wonderful than ourselves. Studies of the effect of awe 
on the body have found that awe activates the vagus nerve, which controls our heart rate, our digestion, even our immune system. The function of this nerve is involuntary. We can't control it. And yet, the experience of awe affects it for the better. Because of the benefits of awe, it's easy to find quick prescriptions for it that say that the experience of awe is one of the best things we can do for our mental well-being and our physical health. And there's often a deck of options on hand for where to go to experience such a thing. Natural wonders, works of art, moral beauty, anything that's so marvelous it's beyond our full comprehension and yet available and accessible for us to witness. All can be anywhere. It can be anything. That is what I read. But I want to know, how can I get as close as possible to it? If it's so good for me, surely it's best to get right to the source, to drive right up to the rim. There's a song in the Christian scriptures about awe, Psalm 65. And what the song describes is not just one type of awe-inspiring thing, but all of them. A natural wonder, a work of art, a marvel of moral beauty on a large scale as well as on a small, intimate scale. And all of this found in God. The God who listens and answers, the God who forgives, the God who invites us into a palace of beauty, the God who made all the natural wonders, including the Grand Canyon, the God who is the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the God in whom the whole earth is filled with awe at his wonders singing about them, where morning dawns, where evening fades. is most completely experienced when a thing of beauty or greatness is understood in light of its origins, where it comes from, the work that went into creating the marvelous thing. We miss out on awe when we don't consider its context, when we don't find out where it lives. For me, the awe I experienced was inspired by being physically present at the canyon. But it was expanded, deepened, and has lived longer by learning more about the canyon and its creation. The fact that it all started with a drop of water and a grain of sand. That there was a first grain carried in a current that wore away another fractal of earth. The absence of which was the first step in the creation of the canyon. Later on in the scriptures and the biographies of Jesus, over and over the response that people had to him, to the way that he treated people, the way that he taught and spoke and healed, 
the strange stories he told, was awe. I have the same feeling when I meet him in the scriptures as I did when that local put his finger on the map of the canyon. You want to find where awe lives? You want to get as close to it as you can? You want to drive right up to the rim? Go here. Find him. Which makes me wonder, what are we waiting for? Podcast.